0: Well, if you say so, your host, Ian Garlic. What's up, storytellers? Ian Garlic here, and welcome to the Garlic Marketing Show. We've got a very, very special guest we're going to talk about in a second, but don't forget that the show is always brought to you by StoryCruise.com. You know, if you're looking to tell the stories of your business, if you're looking to grow your business with video, which is more important, if not essential, then you need to go to storycruise.com. You can find local editors, local videographers that are trained in marketing because not every filmmaker is trained in marketing. You can also learn the latest strategies and you can learn from the giants of video. So today's guest is one of my favorites. It's one of my favorite, favorite interviews of all time. And I've had some amazing ones, but this one today is with Pat Williams. He's one of the co-founders of Orlando magic. He was president of the 76ers. He ran major sports leagues teams. He's written a hundred books, 56 marathons. We'll talk about that throughout it. Super accomplished guy. The first half of the interview, we're going to go into character, what it takes. And I think more than ever, this was, is important. We've I actually did this interview a few days before coronavirus really started locking things down. And when you think about it, how it really foretold what we were going to need to get through these events. I think it is a super powerful, motivational interview with one of the great leaders. Pat's done so much. And you'll see throughout, it, he's still a humble, intelligent, well read, hard working guy in his 80s. What a life. But you also learn not only just about the characters, but you learn his stories of marketing, what it took, what he learned early on from mentors and what it took to build the magic, to start the magic, to do cool marketing that kept the magic going and to bring in great players. And we talk about Walt Disney, who's written a book on John Wooden. I mean, there's so much in leadership, so much in marketing that you are going to learn on this episode I'm super excited for you to listen to it, and when you listen to it, if you take anything away, please let Pat know. Go over to his Facebook page, go over to his LinkedIn, go tell him what you learned, and let me know too. I really appreciate any type of input. But without further ado, here's Pat Williams on The Garlic Marketing Show. Welcome to a very special garlic marketing show. I am garlic here, and I definitely have our most accomplished guest, possibly one of the most accomplished people living today. Uh, I'm going to go through his list because I can't memorize this. He was a uh, uh, GM of the Chicago bulls helped is credited with saving the bulls invented the first mascot, um, worked for Atlantic Hawks. Philadelphia 76ers where he brought Dr. J and of course co-founded our team Orlando Magic um, and yeah <laughs> built the, you know tons of great basketball teams drafted Shaq, tra- uh, traded for Penny Hardaway, ushered in the Dwight Howard era and especially uh, in his free time authored 100 books 100 books <laughs> <laughs> um, raised a family of 19 and coincidentally 19 of his Former players went on to be head coaches in the NBA, 58 marathons, and has uh, also scaled Mount Rainier and is also a cancer survivor, and on top of that, wrestled a bear. Uh, Pat Williams, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. Nice to see you. Nice to see you. I really appreciate you being on the show, and I mean, you've led an amazing life and it's been phenomenal but uh, you know and there's so much about you out there I want to talk today about specifically you know and storytelling so this book which is amazing character carved in stone um, is your latest book how did you collect the stories for it
1: well on that particular case I was at West Point uh, to speak to the cadets the athletes there and afterwards they, they gave me a tour of the campus And there's a beautiful park uh, looking out over the Hudson River. And I noticed in this park, Trophy Point, it's called, there were a series of benches, 12 of them. The benches were all the same, but there was a different word carved into the end of each bench. And I I took the time to go look at each bench, wrote each word down, and then I thought, boy, this is a well-kept secret. It was pretty powerful. Those benches were there and those words were there uh, to remind the West Point cadets that this is how you should live your life. So uh, I thought, boy, I think there's a book there. And there was. Uh, We wrote a chapter on each one of those words uh, using a West Point graduate or a West Point product to uh, flesh out that word. We had quite a time putting it together, and I'm glad that you uh, approve. (laughs) Well, I mean, I'm more than approve. You know,
0: there's certain books that I read on on an annual basis, over and over again, and because for inspiration or to remind me of things. And this will definitely be one of them. Good. I mean, the stories in it. Not only are they great stories, but they are detailed, and I love the way you weave in your leadership message into it. You're not pounding over the head with the leadership message, it's woven in. Um, But the first one you talk about is compassion. Compassion is so important. Uh, But most people don't think of military and don't think of sports as being a a place for compassion. Why do you feel compassion is so, so critical in leadership?
1: Well, I think it relates to people skills and great leaders have a heart for people. Uh, They care about people, they're interested in people. Uh, They have uh, empathy for people. Uh, The very best leaders do. Uh, They love people. And in that first chapter, we used uh, General Ulysses S. Grant, a West Point graduate. We don't generally think of him as a man of compassion, but he was. Uh, He cared deeply about his soldiers. Uh, He cared deeply about the horses uh, that they used in those days. He was a horseman. And if he saw anybody uh, abusing a horse you know he would just go crazy and and reprimand that particular person um and of course at the end of the war uh when the time came for robert e lee to surrender uh grant treated him with compassion as a fellow american a fellow citizen and uh, made it easy on his soldiers uh, the southern soldiers to keep their horses uh, go back to their farms and, can, and and just live their life. He didn't want to punish them. Uh, the war was over and he had compassion uh, and uh, wanted the states to be reunited again. So uh, Grant was a, a key person in that regard.
0: And that was a phenomenal story because I've read a lot about Grant's and they've seldom focus on that compassion aspect of it, which is, it's important. And in fact, he almost resigned, as you said in the book, because they were going to arrest the, the Southern troops and and the Southern leaders and keep them arrested. That was a phenomenal story. I mean, in the, in this book, you have the story of Schwarzkopf is amazing. I didn't, I never knew that story of him saving his troops. Um, the other stories of, of Michael Collins, that's a phenomenal story. Um, in fact, there's a great story about, um, the founder of West point and him, uh, asking for the uh, uh, dismissal. He had to dismiss Edgar Allan Poe, which I never knew either. And today actually is the anniversary of when he would have been dismissed, according okay, to right. the book, which, which was really neat. Um, but of all those stories, which, do you, which one do you, sunk home with you the
1: most? Always? Well, I, I'm not sure that I could single them out. It's kind of like, uh, <clears throat> who's your favorite child? You know, or I get asked frequently, uh, what's, your, what's the favorite book that you've written? Uh, well, when I was when I was writing each book, uh, that was the favorite book. Hopefully the latest book is your best one. Mm-hmm. I would hope that uh, you keep improving uh, with each book. But I, I think people will find, as they get into Character Carved in Stone, uh, that it's going to keep them engaged. Uh, we, we go from one word uh, to the next word to the next word, and uh, we were fortunate enough to find... West Point graduates who really modeled that particular word. So you're going to read about uh, um, Dwight D. Eisenhower. You're going to read about Douglas MacArthur. Uh, You're going to read about Coach Mike Krzyzewski. Uh, You're going to read about a women's basketball coach, Maggie Dixon. And you're going to read about uh, some uh, uh, West Point people perhaps you didn't know about. Uh, some will be well known, others maybe not quite so well known. Uh, but I think you'll find uh, that there's some valuable leadership material there for everybody.
0: 100%. I mean, it, it's now, like I said, the stories are compelling to remind you of what these words mean. Because a lot of these words now are bantered about and they're used and we use them light, too lightly. And another one of those words I feel is leadership, where people use it all the time. But it's, I mean, it's such an important word, but do you feel everyone should be studying leadership every single I time? do.
1: Like everybody is a leader in some form. If you're, a <clears throat> if you're a husband, you're a leader. If you're a father or a mother, if you're grandparents, you're leaders. Uh, if you um, are, are involved in some aspect of your work, uh, your career, uh, if you're dealing in, in youth sports, for example... Uh, If you are uh, dealing in any aspect of the political scene, you're a leader. Mm -hmm. And if you do nothing uh, but lead yourself, which you have to do, you're a leader. So I think it's important for people to study leadership, study the great leaders of history, um, keep learning about it, keep improving as a leader. Uh, Our nation uh, depends on outstanding leadership at all levels. So that's why I urge people to study it and examine great leaders. Uh, read read books about the great leaders of history. Uh, the more you know about leadership and the more you put it into practice, uh, the more success you're gonna have. And we need successful leaders at, at every level in our country
0: that's fantastic. That's so true. Um, and everyone should be, I, I agree. Everyone should be a leader. And this is a great way to learn is through stories, but you, you have an amazing history of leadership. I mean, it's, it's second to few it, and, and uh, I'm so impressed with it. But one of the things that, you know, you actually were in an interview with one of my friends, uh, Dean a few years ago, and you talked about, about finding your passion and how you've had this much energy to be a good leader. And you said you had a, you were a talent for leadership, but also a talent for administration. And, um, and it's where those talent and opportunity came together that really made you successful. But in really looking at your history, especially your first mentor, well, I think one of your first mentors, Bill Beck, it, I saw also a history of marketing and promotion. How do you feel marketing and promotion are important to a leader?
1: Well, if you don't promote, I learned a terrible thing happens, nothing. And I was fascinated by Bill Veeck, the great baseball promoter. I was fortunate enough to meet him when I was very young. And uh, he somehow or other took a liking to me and was very generous with his time. Uh, he made. I never worked for him, but he made enormous investments in me. And so I, I bought into his philosophy of, of selling sports, and it wasn't very complicated. He said, if you sell, in my case, it was minor league baseball where I started, he said, if you're going to sell this on the one and loss column, uh, he said, that's too risky because you really don't have a lot of control over that. In, in minor league baseball, the major league team provides the players, and they determine what becomes of those players. Uh, but you can guarantee uh, a fun night at the ballpark. That was Vex philosophy. Uh, you can't beat fun at the old ballpark. That was how he went about it. So he was constantly looking at for ways to uh, entertain his fans, to surprise them, uh, to uh, show them a good time uh, give them something to go back home on with a, with a, with a good memory. Uh, he was, he was sports marketing really before there was even a name for it. And today we are, are, you're seeing a lot of promoting, a lot of marketing, but Vec was way ahead of his time. And so he had an enormous influence on me. And I've followed that all the way through my career, uh, through the NBA, 51 years in the NBA that, Uh, you've got to make it fun for the people to come out to the game yes you want to win and you want to put a a strong product on the floor or in the field but uh, you also want to make it a memorable fun night and uh, that's where that's where Vec comes in he pioneered that and uh, we're all kind of following in his footsteps that's
0: fantastic and um it's so interesting because I really, you know, before doing a lot of research, I didn't know a lot about Bill Beck. I didn't I'm from Milwaukee originally, so I didn't know he owned the Brewers when they were a minor league team. Um but you know you've written also some other amazing books to my idols, to John Wooden and Walt Disney. Phenomenal books on both of them. Uh but one of uh, you know, I see is Walt Disney's strengths, and I was lucky enough to be in an interview with Bob Gerr and he talked about how Walt was able to convince everyone that they could do whatever, especially his team. How important was that marketing to get players and to marketing to keep the players there and keep the players excited? Because you brought Shaq and Penny and Dwight and Dr. J and these amazing players. I mean, it's not just about you have to be marketing to them,
1: right? Well, Ian, let's uh, let's go back. You 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 started first uh, talking about Walt Disney. Let's talk about Walt for a minute. Yeah. Um, I moved here uh, to Orlando, well, it's uh, 34 years ago now, and I became Disneyized, uh, which can happen, and I became particularly fascinated with Walt Disney himself. Uh, he had passed away at that point, but I kept running into senior Disney executives uh, here in Orlando who had worked with him back in California, and I always wanted to uh, pick their brains, you know, to, to learn more about Walt. So I became intrigued with the man. <clears throat> we ended up writing, <clears throat> excuse me, three books about him. Mm-hmm. Um, but Walt, um, Walt was a visionary. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, uh, he had the ability to see way, way down the road. Uh, he saw things that uh, the rest of us didn't see. Uh, great leaders are visionaries, first of all. And he uh, he had a, a, a vision for full-length animated uh, features. He had a vision for what television could do. He had a vision about a, a theme park uh, where a, a family could go. Uh, people thought he was crazy. Uh, people closest to him thought he was going to bankrupt the company. Uh, but Walt had this ability uh, to see what the public would pay for. Uh, brilliant in that regard. He also, as you mentioned, had the ability to uh, see people's talent and where they would best fit. And he, there, there might be a guy over here in animation, and he would suddenly say, I want you over here in, uh, in, in building this theme park. And the guy would say, no, wait a minute, I'm an animator. I, Uh, But years later, that fellow would say, Walt saw something in me that I didn't see. Uh, That's another great mark of leadership, Uh, studying your people and knowing their talents and and where they best fit in. Uh, Walt was many things to many people, and today we see his company uh, that he he founded uh, just thriving around the world. Walt probably would, wouldn't be surprised. He probably envisioned that whole thing. If we could talk to him today, he, he probably saw it all. So, and he, and he knew how to sell that product. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the point I made was he, he had these marvelous ideas, but he also knew what the public would pay for. Uh, it's great to have ideas, but if the public has no interest in it, well, you're going to go bankrupt, uh, but Walt knew what they would pay for. That's another great mark of marketing. Uh, John Wooden, you mentioned. I uh, have written four books about Coach Wooden. I felt very honored that he uh, allowed me into his life. This was later in, late in his life. He lived till 99. Um, and But I, I was able to spend time with him, and uh, he was always very generous with his time, always very gracious always very accommodating. This is the uh, greatest coach in the history of sports, but yet there was, uh, there was something about the man that just attracted people. He was very low-key. He was not a, a dynamic person in that regard. He was uh, soft-spoken, but uh, people f- flocked to him uh, to absorb his wisdom, and that's what he had. It's a rare quality. Uh, but when you find a man or a woman who has wisdom, uh, you, you'll notice that people flock to, to that person, wanting to absorb that wisdom. And, and Coach Wooden, above all, uh, was loaded with wisdom that he uh, enjoyed sharing with people. I think he genuinely enjoyed investing in other people. And he didn't even have to know the person. You know, an unknown high school coach wanted to come and visit with him. He'd he'd welcome him to his condo and spent as much time with him as that coach wanted. It's quite fascinating. So much to learn uh, from those kinds of people. I've written a book about uh, uh, Coach Vince Lombardi.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, wrote a book about uh, Coach Bear Bryant, uh, Coach Bobby Bowden. Uh, so much to learn from these remarkable people. We wrote a book about uh, Abraham Lincoln, co-wrote a book about Lincoln some years back. So I think the more we study those kind of people and uh, learn from them, uh, the more we can take from them and apply to our own lives. Not that we're going to imitate people, but if you can take the best qualities from people that uh, you admire greatly, uh, you're going to be ahead of the game. That's great advice.
0: and there's so many amazing people that you've written about. And, I, you know, bring it back to John Wooden. And one of the things I always get from him and I always talk about is fundamentals. And fundamentals of life. But also, you know, because I I look at marketing and the reason I'm passionate is I believe the only way we're going to change anything, change worlds, change minds is through marketing. We have to show the value of it. Um, and coming back to marketing fundamentals, Bill Vec talked about shaking the hands of the people. And you did the same thing.
1: You were out... Uh, pretty much every game, right? As people walked in. Well, I took from Bill um, uh, some many things. Uh, first of all, uh, he was a reader. Uh, he did not. He had not finished. He didn't go to college uh, very briefly. But he was the he two things. He was well read, and he was widely read. Mm-hmm. Those are two marvelous compliments you could pay anybody when you say they are well read. And Bill always, every time I was with him, he had an armful of books. And he read voraciously about many topics. And I took from him uh, the importance of reading. Uh, He was also fascinated with the written word. Uh, Bill was a marvelous writer. Uh, He would write columns, or he would write editorial pieces, or... Uh, but he had a he had a great gift of writing uh, i I took that from him. Uh, he also, uh, in um, running a ball club, was available to the people. Mm-hmm. Uh, he would answer his own phone. you didn't have to go through a battery of secretaries to get to him. Uh, he uh, opened his own mail and answered it. He um, he roamed around his ballparks, you know, he didn't sit in a suite or a box. After the games on many nights, he'd be there greeting the people as they left. Uh, and that led to another uh, great, great quality that impacted me, the importance of speaking in public. Uh, Bill thought if I could just get to people at their organizations and address them and Talk baseball or whatever the topic was, that they're going to end up perhaps at my ballpark. Uh, so I bought into that early you know, the importance of uh, developing the ability to speak publicly. Uh, Bill was uh, a very entertaining speaker, people loved to go and hear him. Uh, that became something that uh, became a huge part of my life and my career. Um so many, so many things that we can take when we begin to really study people. Um, not that we're to be somebody we aren't, but I took those uh, attributes, being visible and available, and being a reader, being a writer. Uh, Bill also uh, never cursed. Um, you know, he, he talked about that. He said there's always a more intelligent word. To use in some four-letter word, and he is—he—he he was not profane. Now, this was a guy immersed in the life of baseball, where language can get a little bit salty, quite salty. Uh, but I—I uh, I saw that in him, and that became something I wanted to emulate as well. So, it, it, uh, what I'm, I guess what I'm saying is, it's important to have heroes in your life, uh, not that they're perfect. Not that they can't stumble and fall, they can, but uh, we need people to look up to and admire and uh, i've I've got numbers of life heroes and 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 many of these heroes um, I've only known through books Abraham Lincoln is a hero, mm-hmm. Theodore Roosevelt is a hero um, you can go back in history, Churchill is a hero.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, John F. Kennedy's a hero, I, Ronald Reagan, there are certain heroes that we, we have and we need them. And in sports, I could we could sit here and talk for an hour about sports heroes of mine. So it's important to have those men and women in your life that you emulate and you look up to. And so speaking,
0: I mean, obviously you have a great speaking career. I was watching some of your talks, and they're fantastic. They're inspiring. Um, But when we talk about heroes, besides Bill, who else did you emulate, did you have as a hero when it came to public speaking?
1: Well, that's a good question. I I would say uh, probably the greatest, some of the greatest men of history, men and women of history, Um, Lincoln was a marvelous speaker. We don't have tape of him, but we, we certainly have copies of his speeches and people who heard him. Uh, Theodore Roosevelt was a marvelous communicator. So was FDR uh, with his style. Um, John F. Kennedy had a powerful ability to, to move people. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm, and then, of course, you've got the sports communicators. There have been some marvelous uh sports people who uh community bobby bowden was always very effective um and and uh, tommy lasorda the dodger manager was terrific in front of people and i heard them all and you could always take i've always taken little things from different speakers but above all the best uh, the best speakers the best communicators are storytellers uh, they realize that we're hardwired to retain stories, not PowerPoints. Thank goodness. <laughs> uh, someone once said, the world is not made up of atoms, it's made up of stories. Mm-hmm. So it's important as a speaker to collect stories, save them, write them down, and particularly in books. Uh, I, when When you turn a page, I always feel it's important to have a story on every two pages. And then when you turn the next page, you want another story. Uh uh, So that people will see quote marks or they'll see names that they're familiar with. And they'll want to keep turning pages. If they see a lot of statistics or a lot of dry looking material, uh, eh, they may get bored with the book. Uh, Stories really entice us. So when you think about great storytellers, Jesus and his parables, uh, Mr. Lincoln and his yarns, Uh, you had uh, John F. Kennedy and his quips, and then of course the great communicator Ronald Reagan uh, had probably a combination of all of it. Uh, He had been a movie actor and he had been out on the speaking circuit for years, and he was the great communicator, and he knew how to hold an audience, and he knew how to entertain them, and how to make them laugh, and how to make them cry, and you know he uh, he had a great touch for that. So I think it's important for um, business people in all walks of life to really work at your speaking skills. Uh, it's important to do that, and uh, uh, whether you're running a company or whether you're running a rotary club or whatever, uh, the most offensive thing you can do is bore people. <laughs> that's, uh, so that, that, that's a cardinal sin, yeah. but to entertain them and uh, they look forward to hearing what you have to say this week. Or, and it's the same in the classroom. Uh, the best teachers, the best professors, the most memorable ones to people are, are those professors that could really hold the room and uh, keep their students fascinated and engaged. Not just reading it from a script or whatever, but uh, to really perfect your speaking skills in a classroom where you're meeting with your students, what, two, three times a week? And you should go into that classroom uh, just thinking, boy, how, how can I really hold these students today and really give them something to chew on? So, public speaking is 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 a vital, vital part of any leader's life.
0: I agree completely. I, I think it's something that uh, you know every almost everyone needs to have as a skill. Uh, so, speaking of heroes, obviously, you know, I, I grew up here. Uh, I remember when the start of the magic. And we're thinking that we're gonna get a basketball team, and I thought
1: you were that. probably about five
0: years old. Oh, I wish. <laughs> I was fifteen. So you? when you yeah.
1: started the first year? Yeah,
0: yeah. My actually, my father had season tickets, and I remember it was the best time ever. But I remember when you first started that. I mean, you're a lot of Orlando's hero because of that. I mean, first sports team here, and really put Orlando on the map. Um, but I want to talk about you know all the, how you brought all those skills together to get those first. Season tickets, because man, you had to convince a lot of people
1: to go all in. How did? What did you do? Well, we started in uh, June of '86. Uh, Orlando at that time was not a major city. It was not really a major tourist destination, even though Disney was well established here. Uh, But it was uh, still a pretty small city. I I had I left Philadelphia to join the effort here to bring the NBA to Central Florida. Many people thought it was a long shot at best. Mm-hmm. But our our main job was to convince the community that, that they could do it, uh, that they could be, could become a major league sports city. Our, our, so the only way we knew to show that to the league was to ask for $100 deposits on season tickets to a team that did not exist... Uh, where there was no uh, arena at that point to play in. And there was no history of major league sports here at all. Uh, That's what we were facing. But the community rallied um, to the the cause. And we ended up very quickly uh, through June, July, August, really about three months we had before going to the owners' meetings in September, Uh, to to pitch our case to the owners and we were able to say we've got uh, deposits on 14,000 season tickets, uh, which was an eye-opener to the league and to those other owners because those numbers were, uh, well, they just weren't happening in the NBA at that point. So we got their attention and then the league began to mull over these four different cities that wanted to come in. Miami, Orlando, Charlotte, and Minnesota. And eventually, uh, the thinking was, let's take all four of them, which uh, really kind of shocked people. I don't think anybody was fully expecting that they they would take on four new teams. And and that's how we got our team. Miami and Charlotte came in in 1988, and I was disappointed, I wanted to uh, be in that first round, but then we came in with Minnesota in 89, and that turned out to be a real break for us. It gave us uh, time to build the building properly, and it gave us time to put a staff together well, and it gave us time to do the necessary scouting you know, as you began to study the expansion draft and uh, our first college draft. And, you know, and you gave us a little more time to do things thoroughly. So that's how it all started. And here we are. I mean, we're 30 some years into it now. Mm-hmm. And the magic have become a a huge part of Central Florida. Um, they're here here to stay. And uh, we've had some ups, we've had some down periods, but uh, by and large, our fan base remains very loyal, very much involved. Um, they care deeply about the team. And it's been a wonderful marriage. And so
0: so speaking of uh, 30 years ago, so this, this uh, past Valentine's Day, was 30 years since number 12 from the Chicago Bulls walked out on the court when Jordan's yes. jersey disappeared. Somebody
1: stole his jersey.
0: Yeah, I remember I was at that game and seeing, because I was all oh, excited. At that point, Michael Jordan, while he was a big player, hadn't won any championships. He was a, it was a different team. I mean, it was the same team, but it wasn't the Bulls that we came to know. But it, it was a big deal, and the Magic won, which was fantastic. But what was that moment like? I mean, because I mean, he was arguably the biggest star in the NBA, and you have
1: this, and you're a new team, and his jersey. Well, gone. we won some. Well, first of all, I was embarrassed. Yeah. You know, as a new team, mm-hmm. that uh, there was a security failure somewhere, and the greatest player in the world had his jersey stolen in our building. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, was. I, I didn't feel good about it that something had happened here under our watch. But that first year, we had some memorable moments. We didn't win a whole lot of games, but we upset the Lakers one night and we knocked off the Bulls one night. Yeah. Um, in, the, in the first preseason game, we beat the world champion Pistons. So there were some definitely some highlights in that first year that our fans, to this day, still remember. Um, eventually... You know, we began to add different pieces, and then the Shaq draft of 92 and the Penny Hardaway acquisition in 93 were the two big breaks we got. Mm -hmm. And suddenly, we were a contender. And uh, we got to the finals in 95, which was uh, a huge accomplishment. And uh, we we thought we were in for a long ride, but Shaq departed to L.A. Penny Hardaway uh, had knee surgery on both knees over time, and he never was able to live to his full potential. But that's that's life in pro sports. It's a fragile business. Uh, you never know from day to day, you know, what's going to play out. Uh, but uh, that that that's where Vec comes in. You know, you, uh, every time you come, it should be a fun night, win or lose, and you hope you have a win. But uh, uh, you, you you must make it an entertaining uh, time for people. And uh, so part of
0: business and marketing and, and obviously growing a franchise is taking risks. Um, and obviously over time you had to take some risks. Which of your marketing business risks did you
1: take that you were most surprised by the success of? Well, you never know uh, what's going to f- fly. Yeah, um, We were approached... Uh, before our first season, we were the magic, and two magicians uh, came to visit and said that they wanted to be the team magicians. Well, we didn't know what that meant. Um, But they they came with ideas, and so we said to them, okay, we'll give you uh, uh, four games here at the start of the season uh, to see what you're all about. And then we'll decide from there. Well, the two guys came and they had a fistful of ideas, like um, shooting t shirts up into the stands. I mean, all the things you see. And after the four games, we said, Okay, you're in. Uh, We we like what you're doing. Little did we realize that um, that was going to trigger a whole wave. uh, into every uh, sports arena and stadium and college arena in the country, all of those things that those two guys brought to us are now part of the scene in every sports venue. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, shooting baskets to a flip-up backboard, and uh, I mean, just a whole litany of things that these these two creative guys came up with in our building. That's amazing. And it's now... It's everywhere. It's just a part of sports. Yeah, t-shirt is everywhere. All all the things that they came up with. I didn't know that that all started with those two guys. That's where it started, right here. I remember them. That's really, really cool. And uh, one of of those guys, Giovanni, is still around. I'm still in touch with him. Uh, The other one, Tim, is no longer living. But uh, Tim and Giovanni, they were a pair. Yeah, And they, they created, they invented, really... Uh, this whole concept of sports marketing that nobody had ever thought of.
0: Yeah, actually, I knew Tim. He was a great, great guy. He was a fantastic
1: guy. I didn't know he invented all that. He never even talked about that. Yeah, these that. two, the, the, the two of them together, yeah. they, were, they were partners, magician partners, but uh, they invented a whole new way of uh, presenting sports. That's really cool. And in every yeah. building, in the NBA and beyond, uh, you see their work yeah. being carried out it's, it's with every with every franchise. It's
0: ubiquitous now. That's
1: amazing. It's quite a story.
0: Um, so, speaking of now, now we've got the MLB. You're you're, you're marketing for that. Um, tell me about this because obviously, you know, you, you you never stop. I mean, I'm looking at this list of things that you do. You
1: never stop. What brought on MLB? Well, I've always felt that Orlando could be a Major League Baseball city. We tried once in the 1991 period. Uh, That's how Rich DeVos originally got involved here. But but the uh, Major Leagues decided to go to Miami. And then in the mid-90s, we tried again. And that's when the Major Leagues went to St. Pete. And uh, so it's been a long wait. But I, I still believe fervently... Uh, that this can be a great Major League Baseball town, community, area. And so we are cranking it up again. We have cranked it up uh, to try and convince Major League Baseball that Orlando is where they need to be. Uh, How might that happen? Well, we're watching the situation in St. Pete very carefully. Uh, They've made it pretty clear that they're going to have to leave there at some point. They have eight years left on a lease, And we are uh, making it very clear to them that we want them here. About 70 miles east. Mm -hmm. And that they can have great success here. Uh, The major leagues have also said that they plan at some point to expand by two more franchises. And uh, we want to be in front of Major League Baseball to show them that this is where you need to be. With an expansion team if the move of the Rays doesn't work out. So our job is to get ready. Uh, We've got a website, OrlandoDreamers.com, and uh, we're urging people to go up there and just express their interest. Uh, We're working quietly and behind the scenes about a potential stadium, and we're, uh, we're doing everything in our power to be ready when that time comes. We have a nickname. The Orlando Dreamers. We got a logo. Uh, We've got a hat. Uh, We got the look. Uh, Now uh, we just need a team. So I retired from the Magic in May of uh, this past year, and uh, the mission was to get ready to head this effort uh, to try and bring Major League Baseball here. So I'm fully engaged in that process, and I'm, I'm convinced we can do it.
0: Well, if anyone's going to do it, it's you. <laughs> well, you. Uh, well, I really appreciate you taking it Good to visit with you, Ian. It's been, it's been wonderful. Good. I have one last question I ask, and I, don't, I mean, you, you might not have answers for this, but I always ask people, you know, what's the one quote or mantra that they've lived their life by, or that is their favorite quote? Do you have one?
1: Uh, from, so, from somebody that I've...
0: Yeah, when the books or the biographers
1: or people of history, is there something that you... Well, John Wooden probably had the best one. Make each day your masterpiece. I think that's that's the one that uh, means the most. Uh, make each day your masterpiece. Think about that for a minute. Mm-hmm. So if you uh, are determined at the start of each day, this is going to be a masterpiece day. And keep doing that for a lifetime. You're going to have a pretty good life. Uh, the people around you are going to be... Uh, Deeply moved if they see you living out a masterpiece day every day. That's how Coach Wooden uh, went about his life. And I, uh, I recommend that to many, to others.
0: That's phenomenal advice. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. It was wonderful. And thank you all for taking us on your journey. Uh, this has been Pat Williams and Ian Garlic and the Garlic Marketing Show. Video. You know what will make you an authority? you know it will get you more leads, better leads that close faster and spend more with you. And video stories will help you be remembered and connect with those perfect clients. The problem is, where do you start? Storycruise.com is the place to go. It's like a film crew with an S. What's your strategy? Do you do it yourself? Do you hire a videographer, an agency? Do you need an editor? How do you know if they really know your business and how to make videos for business that work. The answer to all of this and more can be found at storycruise.com. It is the place to find the latest video marketing strategies, the best gear for your business, as well as videographers, editors, and agencies near you that are trained in video storytelling for business. Go to storycruise.com slash garlic to get special